Welcome to The Personal Beethoven, an intimate look at the man behind the masterpieces, presented by pianist, conductor, composer, and educator Michael Shertoff. And now, Episode 5, Music for Another Time. In November of 1815, close on the heels of Beethoven's huge triumphs at the Congress of Vienna, his brother Karl died. Karl's will stipulated that Ludwig should have custody of his nephew, also named Karl. And this begins 10 long, difficult years in which Beethoven would be preoccupied with the legal maneuvers to obtain custody and with raising this often troubled young man. Most writers would say this begins the final period of his life and work as a composer. The characteristics of his third period compositions, his late works, are very interesting, some forward-looking, some backward-looking. There is much greater preoccupation in his music with counterpoint. That's music in which multiple voices are carrying melodic weight. And in his late five piano sonatas, he experiments with structural changes in all of them. For instance, denying a clear tonic major chord in virtually the entire first movement of the A major sonata. He waits until the very recapitulation to land squarely on the tonic, something that was to have a huge influence on later Romantic composers. Or the massive fugue that completes the Hammerklavier Sonata, Opus 106. There are affecting references to the St. John Passion of Bach that one hears in the Piano Sonata, Opus 110. These are no longer the works of a performer with a virtuoso reputation to sustain, or even a warrior with a cause to fight for, but rather more of a mystic or a philosopher contemplating vast spaces and sounds, sounds which frequently break out in the form of long sustained trills and passages at the extreme ends of the keyboard. In his symphonic music, he adds an enormous chorus and four vocal soloists to the final movement of his Ninth Symphony using texts from the poet Schiller. How did Beethoven's contemporaries react to these pieces? Audiences, friends of Beethoven's students, even those in his inner circle were often baffled by the compositions he created during the final period of his life. The Ninth Symphony was tremendously successful but the late quartets confused even his closest friends. He responded to their questions and their confusion with uncharacteristic calmness, and he gave the following comment, they are not for you, but for another time. Is it appropriate to use the word experimental when discussing the music of Beethoven's later years? Indeed, when it comes to form, Beethoven is constantly experimenting in the late years. But this does not do justice to the success of the experiments. 
In his third period, he takes the listener on truly remarkable journeys. And while some of the works are unusually long, for example, the Grossa Fugue, or the fugue that concludes his Hammerklavier Sonata, there is also a great deal of concentration in a lot of his writing, and some of his movements are concise and even very short. I do confess, as a listener, sometimes I feel I'm in water that goes way above my head in certain passages of the finale of his final piano sonata, Opus 111. And many of my colleagues have shared the need for repeated hearings of movements of the late quartets and other masterpieces from his final years. What was Beethoven's manner of life during his final years? His deafness was sufficiently profound that he needed to communicate with his friends through conversation books, written books. There are some 140 in existence out of maybe 400 in which his visitors would write their questions and answers to Beethoven, and we generally only have their side of the conversations, which can be very confusing. A young music and law student named Anton Schindler became a real constant companion and member of Beethoven's inner circle and is responsible for what much of the 19th century thought about Beethoven. Some of Schindler's writings are a bit self-serving, but his devotion to Beethoven was unquestioned. Beethoven devoted an enormous amount of energy to pursuing sole custody of his nephew Carl. When he achieved this, he became an overbearing foster parent who loved his nephew but suffocated him with advice, conflicting concerns, and the hugeness of his personality. Some of Beethoven's accusations against Carl's mother seem hypocritical and even purient. Ten difficult years were devoted to his nephew. They culminated in their darkness in Carl's attempt to commit suicide on July 30, 1826. Beethoven was stunned. Something good came out of this. Carl's other uncle in Beethoven decided he should make a career as an army officer, which amazingly turned out to be successful. And Carl would eventually live as a private citizen in Vienna on the incomes of the estates of his two surviving uncles. Beethoven went through so many domestic employees, cooks, chambermaids. Certainly the fault was sometimes in the employee, but there was always Beethoven, yelling and raging one moment, pounding the piano and writing feverishly the next, pouring bowls of cold water on his head in the middle of a room to cool down his inspiration. Not really the picture of an easy employer. Still, his reputation in Europe continued to grow. The pitiful sight of Beethoven at the conductor's podium in 1825, unaware in a public concert that his Ninth Symphony had finished and that the audience was applauding madly, necessitating that a soloist turn Beethoven physically around to receive the applause, which generated an even more enormous ovation. Beethoven's health began to deteriorate on many fronts. He received the last sacrament on March 24, 1827, and died two days later on March 26. His funeral may have been attended by as many as 30,000 people. And of all the great composers, he has never suffered a lag in his reputation or the neglect of his works. Beethoven's words, the aspects of his complex character, his triumphs and indeed his real sufferings, they are fascinating and they illuminate his compositions.
consideration of the personal Beethoven must reckon with the pain and humiliation of his silent years, the terrible irony of his deafness. But his music, his gift to the whole world, has subsumed the details of his biography a thousand times over, and will doubtless give voice to the best of him for generations upon generations. Thank you for listening to the fifth and final episode of The Personal Beethoven. We hope you'll join us again as Michael Shertak presents other great composers, their lives, their journeys, and their artistry.